Hello everyone, welcome to episode 30 of the Switch Focus podcast. That's right, we're at the point now where we can stop saying, hey, now we're old enough to do this, we're just old. <laughs> uh, no more so is that true of me and Andrew, I presume. Ginny's the young chicken of the team. Uh, they're both with me. Ginny, you're stateside. What are you doing over there? Um, Good question. Um, I got some... <laughs> I did just decided to take like, a joyride to the United States. Um, but just catching up with some family friends and doing some work stuff. So nothing too crazy. Not like a full holiday, but I'm enjoying it. The weather's great, but if you're from San Fran, your airport really sucks. I'm sorry. It, it <laughs> sucks so much. Uh, and Andrew's always stateside, of course. Still there, I assume? Yes, I persist in my existence in this miserable place. <laughs> wow, so much more positive than I was. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's get straight into it. So, updates from previous episodes. Uh, I have finished Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2. Uh, it was okay. I, th- I think I had some trepidation in the last episode I was on. Yeah. Um, It's basically just another Lego game. And, you know, that's fine, but I think I'm done with it now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I want to play another Lego game anymore. Which is a shame. But that's all I've got to say on that. Did have an update on Football Manager. Uh, Got my team into the top four. So we're still challenging for European places at this point. Uh, But I did want to clear up something. Because I said on two episodes back that it was actually a port of the iOS version. That depends on what device you're on. So if you're on iPhone, the mobile version is a very, very, very watered down version of Football Manager. This is a port of the iPad version, certainly the one that works on high-end iPads. So it's it's much similar to the PC version. That was just a clarification I, I thought I'd better make. Andrew, I believe you've been tucking back into Rayman Legends. Yes, in my desperate attempt to save money, I've been revisiting all the games that I bought on Switch last year, but never really played all that much. Rayman Legends, I pretty much played the day I got it so I could make some content for the website and then I haven't touched it since but I I went back to it in this past week and I think it's a really solid platformer I'm yeah yeah I read on a website that it's the best Sonic game ever made and I actually I see where they're coming from when they say (laughs) that I can get that yeah it's at its best when you're just running through a level as fast as you can and a lot of the platforming sequences are actually timed so that way you can get through them by making very specific jumps without losing your momentum. So you can play through it, you know, methodically, but I think it's a lot more fun to play through it just as fast as you can. You get to these levels that are just basically race levels. They're called invasion paintings, which are slight remixes on the levels that you play through in the core game. And they challenge you with racing through these sequences in 40 seconds or less to get the top ranks. And I just love those. I would really like to play just an entire game that's just based on those really bite-sized, fast levels that are based on pure platforming skill. And then I think I mentioned this in our episode recording when the game first came out, but there are also the musical levels where the entire platforming sequence is based on the rhythm of a popular song, like a mariachi version of Eye of the Tiger, and those levels are just fantastic. I really enjoyed Rayman Legends. Uh, It's actually going to be free on PS Plus in the month of May, 
So, you know, you don't have to play it on Switch. I'm sure it's a great game on PlayStation 4, too. So you should probably check that out if you have a PS Plus subscription. Yeah, it's on every format, so just give it a go. Completely agree with you about those music levels. They are utterly fantastic. But I'd never bothered with the invasion stuff. I just went from basically all the core levels and quit out when I hit the credits. So uh, maybe I'll give those a look. So as we're covering updates from previous episodes, Ginny, how have you been getting on with Lost Sphere? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've been... <laughs> okay, every time I get into playing this game, it's like in my library right next to Atelier, and I just scroll over to Lost Fear and then keep moving on to Atelier <laughs> and play that <laughs> instead. I just... I don't know what it is about Lost Fear that just... Like, at first I was going to get to the bit where you basically... You kind of revisit the earlier portions of the game after what you assume is like one of the endings and now that I've hit that bit I'm just so unmotivated to see what I know is like the very very last bit of the game through yeah so in in short I have played more Atelier (laughs) and I'm doing pretty good there on that front Um, but I am doing poorly on the finishing Lost Sphere part Uh, so uh, maybe next time yeah keep checking back every week and we'll see how I go we'll motivate you to finish it Uh, So with that, let's move on to the latest Switch news. First up, we have the news that uh, hackers have managed to find an exploit in the Switch that is unpatchable, meaning that Nintendo cannot get rid of it. Uh, Now, I have no interest in doing any homebrew stuff on my Switch. It's there for Nintendo and official third-party releases. Uh, And unless they do something that's too cool to miss, then in which case I'd probably buy a second Switch to do it with. I've got no interest in, in doing anything like this, but it's it's always interesting to see what people do with the hardware once they find these exploits. Uh, certainly the in terms of other consoles, like the 360 wouldn't have had half the feature set it had had it not been for people opening up the original Xbox and creating their own media centers for it. Mm. So, uh, yeah, what do you guys make of this? Uh, I guess it was going to happen. <laughs> um, I'm just surprised it took them as much time as it did to find a security exploit in some way in the Switch's hardware. It doesn't look like it does very much currently. I think I watched a video on like a tech website um, and it didn't really seem like it could be exploited with any of the existing Nintendo software, but I guess it's only a matter of time for someone figures out how to do that. But I don't know. I mean, (sighs) I guess it's great that people are, you know, exploring technology. But also, I wouldn't feel like I need to homebrew my Switch to access some web browser or something. I don't know. I no no personal demand for it from me. I'm not really into the homebrew thing either. But you know, the Wii was a big console for homebrew. Uh, mm. I think almost entirely because people were very passionate in their dislike of Super Smash Brothers Brawl and wanted to make it as much like Melee as possible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, 
you know, maybe we could see the same thing happen with Smash Brothers on Switch, where people either it legitimately is not as good as the past titles, or people have decided it's not as good as the past titles, and they just want to retool it to be more like Melee. But I'm more concerned about it being completely unpatchable, and you can't do much with it now, apparently, but it will someday lead towards exploits or hacks being usable in things like Splatoon, inevitably. For sure. Yeah, I'm worried about that since Nintendo wants Splatoon and presumably Smash Brothers and maybe Mario Tennis with some of the things we've been hearing about how it works. They want it to be taken seriously as a competitive game, as an eSport, and we haven't seen how Nintendo is going to handle uh, a strong community of hackers and cheaters on their platforms. Uh, That hasn't been a problem that they've had to face in the past. So I I think obviously what they're going to do is they're going to update the hardware, whether they're going to announce it as a new Switch platform or just update their hardware so that way this exploit no longer works and keep selling it as the same Switch they always have done. Whichever route they go, this thing is still going to be happening and it's going to be interesting to see how well they handle it because it could seriously derail their prospects of getting into esports if they are too heavy-handed with it. Hmm. That's very true. Uh, Next up we have uh, some interesting reveals found in Nintendo's 2017 earnings. Uh, Apparently Super Mario Odyssey is the best-selling game overall, uh, including bundles. It has a 58% attach rate, which I'm sure Andrew will be annoyed at with his fandom of Breath of the Wild. As long as they all got Breath of the Wild too, I don't care. I'm sure most of them did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, And in spite of the sales stats covering only 2017, Breath of the Wild is already the best-selling Zelda game, which is amazing considering how many great entries that series has. So not Wind Waker? (laughs) No, apparently Twilight Princess used to be the old best-selling title. So Really? Since it was on Wii, that doesn't surprise me, because everybody and their grandmother literally had a Wii, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. But just in nine months, they sold more copies of Breath of the Wild than Twilight Princess, which I think just passed its 10th anniversary, I think Mm. last year. Uh, So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. And Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has outsold its Wii U version. Unsurprising. (laughs) Yeah. Well, more people have the Switch, obviously. Uh, Splatoon 2 sales also match Splatoon 1 sales, which speaks to how incredibly Splatoon performed on the Wii U. Anything you want to add, Andrew? (laughs) Sorry, I stole your line. (laughs) Well, uh, I just think it's interesting to look at Splatoon 2, because I think of any game on the Switch, except for maybe Rocket League, which I don't really follow, Splatoon 2 has been far and away the popular successor like if, if you go on twitter and you look on the nintendo switch hashtag it's non-stop splatoon 2 pictures so i, I think it's interesting that splatoon 2 of the big first party nintendo published titles has sold the least but seems to be the most played i think that's an interesting stat and i also think uh arms apparently has not done very well because it's barely mentioned in this report yeah i think it it got cannibalized by Splatoon 2, and then they've just been trying to pull people back in slowly by with with all the free updates and everything. So, Yeah, and Splatoon 2 has that big expansion coming out 
in July, and like that's a like a, just about a year after it came out. And Arms has nothing apparently. I mean, uh, they are still supporting Arms, but they are not pushing it. I would say, uh, and of course, it's only going to cannibalize further when Smash Brothers releases. Oh my yes, yeah. um, yeah, and which is going to be playable at E three apparently. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really soon. So and they oh, might wow. prove or disprove some of our predictions, which we'll get into later in the show. Mm. Okay, so let's uh, move on to the games we played this week. I missed last week, obviously, so sorry about that. But uh, as the guys hinted, I did pick up some Nintendo Labo, uh, the the variety pack, I think it was. I have not done a lot of it. I made a Joy-Con holder. Oh, great. Which is, which is like the, the training training wheels, like, here, fold some cardboard dummy. Uh, and I made the RC car, which takes about 10 minutes. Um, but it is surprisingly impressive on a technical level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it turns out that the right Joy-Con IR sensor can also see things, like a night vision camera. Uh, so, like, while I was driving it around the living room, terrorizing our cats, <laughs> I could I could see them running, I could see my feet, I could see everything that was on the floor level. Uh, and apparently that comes into play in some of the other creations, so the motorbike uh, handlebars. When you play that game, you can create a track based on whatever you point the camera at, which is cool. Mm. I really want more time to be able to put the piano together, because that's kind of why I bought in on it. It was like, you know, 80% of of me buying it was for research for the show because, you know, one of us has to have hands-on experience with it and 20% piano. Mm. Um, what, what really impressed me, though, was the software. And I think it's something that other building kit manufacturers could really benefit from. So it's like a, an interactive movie that you can forward and rewind. You can spin the image around. You can zoom in with pinches. It's like super impressive, so even if you're not sure on where you're meant to plug something into, you can zoom right in, spin it for a clearer look. I would have loved this as a kid when, when I had Lego, because the amount of times I was like, is it on that one or is it on that one? I'm not sure. And it's also smart enough to pick up your Joy-Con colours like the uh, system menu is. So in all the diagrams, my Joy-Cons match what I have. It seems a lot more sophisticated than I was expecting, like from what you're describing of the software. It is really good. Uh, now I haven't got to it yet, but apparently there's the some programming as well. So there's like a, a thing where you can make your own Labo games. Mm. Um, and I don't know how in depth that is, but I can imagine there'll be some really intelligent people doing some really cool stuff with that. I don't mm. think any of it's shareable though. So unless you're sharing it online, I don't think there's any system like in Mario Maker where you could share your levels or anything. But yeah, uh, so far I've only done a little bit, but I'm I'm pretty impressed. Uh, my only complaint is I couldn't get the RC car to just go straight forward. It was always on a spin. Oh. I don't know if that was just because the Joy-Cons were off-center or or whatever, but yeah, that's that's my only complaint so far. Uh, mm. It's still fun. And I think the cats are still having nightmares over it. <laughs> How much have you been torturing them with it? Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> there's only one that was really upset and she didn't like it very much but Aww. tough I need to play with it I spent money on it okay I've also been playing Crimson Land I picked it up on sale because it was under 10 bucks and I have been wanting a twin stick shooter on the Switch for a while 
Uh, turns out it's another 10-ton twin-stick shooter. Like, how many of these do they have on the store at the moment? I think five. Yeah, I opted for this one because it was described to me by someone else as like a twin-stick Doom, and I love Doom, so yeah, why not go for that one? Uh, and unfortunately, I found it a little boring. Oh. It's like the... Um, it feels like someone's first twin-stick shooter. Mm. Like the first one they've ever made. So not like Doom at all, then? <laughs> nah. So you sort of... You get put in a level, the 60 levels, mm-hmm. uh, and then you level up during the level, and then you can select non-permanent perks every time you do that. So you could get laser sights, or get more blood for no reason whatsoever, other than just to cut the floor with more blood. Uh, or melee attacks when creatures get near you. Mm-hmm. I sort of wish you could build a character loadout that's would that help? Like, specific to a level. I think that would help me enjoy it a bit more. Mm. Sure. Um, and it's it's also very slow. I'm just used to twin stick shooters being a bit mm. quicker. Mm. Um, and yes, yeah, so I kind of wish I'd gone for the one Andrew had played, which was uh, Tesla versus Lovecraft, because mm-hmm. it sounds a bit more involved. I was hoping this was going to be sort of that way, but unfortunately, it's not. Damn, that sucks. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, not great. But oh well. <laughs> Live and learn. Uh, I think Crimson Land actually was 10 Ton's first twin-stick shooter. I remember looking at all the publication dates and all the games they made, and I remember Crimson Land being much earlier than I expected from 10 Ton's other games. So actually, I think that is the first game they put out. Okay, well, that makes sense. Um, and the last thing I've been playing is the same thing we've all been playing, uh, Saturday Morning RPG. Uh, disclosure, we got codes from PR for this one. Josh Fairhurst. Yep, Josh Fairhurst. Uh, I am most of the way through uh, episode two, so it's a. I think this was a, originally an episodic game. I don't know what I think of it. It's. I don't hate it, but I'm. I'm not loving it either. I'm just sort of experiencing it. Fair enough. So it's like a JRPG kind of setup where it's got this unique visual style where it's got pixelated characters but then everything else is in 3d it's really colorful the whole thing is that it's aping saturday morning cartoons such as like gi joe and transformers although i i get a lot of these references i'm just it's not striking a chord with me as yet mm-hmm. i hope that changes the more i get into it but yeah uh, what about you Ginny? how are you finding it i'm probably the only one here that hasn't actually watched any of those cartoons so i grew up in Southeast Asia and a lot of Western TV wasn't available when I was a kid. Like on Saturday mornings I got Doraemon and Pokemon <laughs> and Zoids and like that was it. So like when I put up the game there was no like sense of recognition. Like I knew it was trying to invoke like a dated or vintage feel because of the graphics and the music and the undoubtedly corny atmosphere. <laughs> So I could see that it was about Saturday morning cartoons, but I never actually watched one prior to the game. So I got zero references and had nothing to work from. From a mechanical perspective, it's nothing particularly challenging. I can see it being fun for a couple of hours. I do find the quirky character designs amusing, but I'll probably get more out of it if I actually watched the cartoons and, and knew what anime or what shows they were from I guess I'm enjoying it for what it is which is basically how many times I can use the Michael Jackson-esque killer CD move combo um, <laughs> the paralyzation yeah to kill move. things yeah. I mean 
I feel like all those small touches, I, while usually I'd find it a little ham-handed, I am quite enjoying. So TLDR, I didn't get any of the references. Still don't know what any of the jokes or phrases are from, but I'm finding it decently entertaining. So yeah. There's the uh, the bad guy, main bad guy in it is uh, a riff on Cobra Commander from GI Joe, which was a cartoon we didn't really get in the UK. Um, so like that was a little lost on me, but I knew who he was. He's also got a little Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget thrown in there too. Oh yeah, now that you say that, I, I can get that. Um, the main character has like a a guide to the world who is called the Wizard, which is referencing the Wizard movie with Fred Savage again. Something I never saw while I was in the UK. <laughs> um, complete with power glove from the NES, and he sort of guides you through the story. Apparently the composer who did the music for it was a famous 80s composer. Okay, um, well I was going to say I really like the music. Like mm. That's really cool. That is the one, the one thing that really evokes my memory in terms of those references. The, the, the hammy action soundtrack is really cool. Um, on the combat, I, I, I am finding that's the most interesting part, at least. Mm-hmm trying to figure out how to charge up the the multiplayer effective effectively and then use the right attacks but i'm finding some of the attacks are so weak that they're not even really worth using Ow. yeah that's true yeah mm-hmm. i guess they're there for style points <laughs> yeah i think so uh and the the, le- the actual leveling up process seems a little slow mm. And I keep sort of not paying attention when you enter a fight and it comes up with the book and you need to scratch as many of the stickers as you can for bonuses. I keep forgetting to do that. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I'm not entirely sure what I think of it. I'm I'm not not enjoying it. Mm. It's it just it is what it is, and that's sort of where I I am at this point. I I'm sort of hoping it opens up a little. Um. So Andrew, I think you've been enjoying it a little bit more than. Me and Jenny. Yeah, I think this goes back to what we talked about with the Fire Emblem Warriors game, where I didn't get into it that much because I didn't know anything about the characters that it was showing. So I am enjoying Saturday Morning RPG, I think, because I did grow up with all of the things that are being made fun of here. I don't want to say that I watched them because getting up before noon on a Saturday was not going to happen, but I am aware of all of the things that are making that are being made fun of here, uh, which is predominantly uh, G.I. Joe, uh, but with a lot of other things thrown into it, too. Like the third episode is all about Transformers, but it's also making fun of all of the anti-drug PSAs from the 80s. So... I think the best way to think of this game is uh, if you look at the recent Ready Player One movie that came out and kind of how it's saying that this stuff, this popular culture from the 80s, is the most important thing that's ever happened and it's going to save the world. It's kind of like that, but it's coming at it more of a lighthearted approach and a more parodic approach where it's saying, yes, this stuff is ridiculous, but I still like it. Let's have some fun with it. So you equip your character with attacks by like picking up items from the environment. So like I found a share bear, which is which is a care bear, and it lets me shoot rainbow rays out of my chest. And after I've flooded the enemies with rainbows, they explode. <laughs> 
And uh, another item you start off with is a rhinestone glove, which is directly referencing Michael Jackson. And I never used that ability, but I'm sure if I did, it would be a reference to the Moonwalker game from Sega Genesis. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but th- that is the problem that I ran into in this game was when you pick up the items, it gives you like star ratings on like its power, how fast it is and its accuracy. Uh, and it gives you a, a brief description of what it does, but I couldn't really tell, even with those descriptors, what the item was going to do until I actually used it. So quite often I would find an item and I would look at it and I'd be like, I have no idea what this does. I'm not even going to try to use it. So I've been going through most of the first three episodes, which is as far as I've gotten, and there's five total, using the same few basic items uh, and only really upgrading when I found an item that was a clear upgrade. The combat is most like Paper Mario, I would say. I, I tried to introduce the idea of the platformer RPG a few years back to describe Paper Mario, where it is a turn-based battle system, but you're timing jumps and you're timing attacks and you're playing uh, little mini games to get your bonus attacks in. It works very much like that. It's not as well animated as Paper Mario is. It's not as in-depth as Paper Mario, but if you want to get an idea of what the combat system is working from, Paper Mario, I think, would be the best uh, idea of what it is. Actually, I've, I've got a more modern equivalent that it reminded me of. I probably haven't played it. What is it? Uh, Stick of Truth, which oh. I know you've played. Well, I, I think of Stick of Truth as just Paper Mario too. so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, more in the sense that you sort of, you know, you're you're blocking the attacks as enemies are making them, and the attacks are done in the same way to try and ma- maximize input. I think that's the, yeah, where I'm coming from with that. I was so bad at that. Like I totally forgot that you could block stuff, and like for the first whole episode, I just wasn't blocking, and I was like, everything hurts. I am complete trash. But <laughs> no, in the end, I worked out how to do it. But I find like the scheduling of it not great. Like the difference between like what's I can say like a buggy block i guess and like a radical block it's like less than a millisecond i don't know if it's like i'm just unskilled or something but it feels like it's sometimes not always the most accurate hmm. like based on the types of attacks that you're encountering i don't know that's where i did not have any problems getting the the top end block ratings so maybe that's just me Damn, maybe i'm just yeah, bad but <laughs> but speak speaking of the blocks there's actually a pretty clever magic mm. system in this game i was actually really impressed with it because it's pretty in-depth You can use your basic attacks, and they're not very powerful. What you need to use is you need to use uh, a battery that you're given, and that's where all your magic power is used. And when you use the battery, you can build up a combo meter that will make your next attack three, four, up to ten times more powerful, depending upon how much battery power you put into it. And you have to dump your magic power into your battery to power up those attacks and how you get your magic power back actually is by taking hits from enemies so you might be in a fight where you just have your one character and you only ever have one character in this game and if you go up against a fight against like three other enemies you might feel pretty outmatched but actually you're getting hit in the face so much that your magic rebuilds pretty quickly so you can actually put out much more powerful attacks in a smaller space of time and then when you're in a one-on-one fight you actually have to play a lot more strategically because you don't get as much magic power to dump into the battery so i thought that system was actually pretty clever i was impressed by that 
Yeah, I didn't mind that so much. I, I sort of enjoyed that, especially with the uh, end boss fight of the first episode. I, I felt that really came into its own strategically mm-hmm. there. Mm. And then I, I enjoyed how it made me change my strategy when he summoned in two extra guys. That, and then I had to... I sort of focused on him still, but I still had to take into account what they were doing and, and yeah, using their attacks to boost me further. That was really cool. So I think I'm in this point with it where I'm enjoying it mechanically more than thematically. Yeah, yeah, same. I feel you on that, yeah. Yeah, I think if you recognize the properties that are being made fun of here, especially G.I. Joe, but just those really cheesy 80s cartoons in general, I think you would enjoy this a lot more than just coming at it mechanically because this is a really easy game. Uh, and it's it's not yeah. a very long one either. The first two episodes only take an hour to get to through. The third one is only two hours. And that's when you do everything. I think if you just tried to shoot through the episode, just focusing on the fights that you have to do, this be only a couple hours long. Yeah, I think I read somewhere it was about four hours long in total. So oh, damn. I'm at four hours now and I'm only halfway through it. So I don't know how true that is. But uh, okay, Yeah, I sort of missed the uh, side quests in the first episode as well. Because it just presented you with the yeah. arrow. Mm. And it wasn't until near the end that I saw that there was a side quest that was an option. And then by that point, I was already in the boss fight. So didn't didn't bother with it. So I'll keep an eye out for that in in the new chapters that I've unlocked. Yeah, the new side quests do come up in your journal. But your journal is cumbersome to get through. And like every minute or so, it seems like you'll get up some... You'll find some new thing or you'll get a new quest or some new update that wants you to open your journal up to look at it, and there'll be a little new thing floating above your journal in the top right corner, and just, it's very tiring constantly opening your journal to look at that stuff. So I I could completely understand missing that stuff because you just don't want to open your journal one more time. Mm. Yeah, I think think I'm just, I'm probably going to end up just keep mainlining the the main quest and see how I go. Um, I, I think I'd be open to going back and looking at the additional stuff. Once I've done it. But we'll see how we go. I think part of my problem as well with the whole G.I. Joe references is is that G.I. Joe in England was a very, very different thing <laughs> to what it was in America. Was. <laughs> so so G.I. Joe in America is like the big like the big figures, right? Fully posable. Well, it depends upon what generation uh, you're looking at. And I, I, I'm basing this information off of the Netflix series, The Toys That Made Us. Please don't please don't assume yep. that I'm a big uh gi joe fan i'm just i'm regurgitating information from something else here but the 80s toys i think which is where the tv show came from and is probably what most people my age associate gi joe with uh were the little ones the little figures uh but the big posable guys those were the ones from the 50s those were like the those were Uh, the dolls i believe Okay, so the, the big ones in, in England were called Action mm-hmm. Man. And, uh, yeah, so we did actually have the little G.I. Joe figures, huh. the ones that look like the cartoon ones, but they weren't a huge thing. So, yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you what, what channel they were on. Uh, like all the other big shows, I, c- I can name the channel, like Turtles was BBC One, all that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm just missing that context like, if you watch that Netflix documentary series I mentioned, you'll see that in the 80s, like, these little plastic collectible action figures and the TV shows that went with them were 
pretty much how we think of video games today. It's just, it's a thing you collect and everybody does it, whether they want to talk about it or not. So I, I think that if you're of that age group and you're really into that nostalgia that Hollywood is always trying to sell us today now, then I think you would get a big kick out of Saturday morning RPG. It, it's far from the best RPG I've ever played. Uh, the story I don't give two licks about. The player character I don't really care for. He's pretty generic. Uh, <laughs> his name's Marty. He has a hoverboard. He, he's basically Marty from Back to the Future with all the personality taken out. So uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's very much a derivative game, but it's it's fun, and I appreciate the things that it is lampooning. So I, I am enjoying it in spite of the fact that it's probably not that good. Oh, you know what? I do... I, I do actually have a G.I. Joe figure in my office right now. Ah. Um, it is the Street Fighter spin-off and um. Bison <laughs> version, which I found in a market, and I was like, yes, I'll have that. But that's that's the only thing I've ever of course. from that of course. property. So. Yeah. But thank you anyway to Josh Fairhurst for sending us those codes. That was cool of you to do that. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I, I hope it clicks with me as, as I get a bit further into it. Ready? Go! Okay, it's that time again for our Super Smash Brothers for Nintendo Switch predictions. Uh, let's go with Ginny first this time. Since she hasn't written anything in the show notes. I did that on purpose. Okay, fine. You have um, been called I'm gonna, out. <laughs> I'm going to wing it a little bit off the cuff here, um, mainly because I think I'm having withdrawals from this particular franchise. And if I don't get a game off this franchise, I have like a compulsive need to see them in literally anything Nintendo's putting out. So if we could get like an Animal Crossing themed level, I would be very happy. <laughs> I think that's certain. They've already got some, haven't they? Sorry, I mean, like, you know, like how they've redone all the landscapes, or they did with Happy Home Designer? Something uh, that looks a little more, I guess, less like country life and a little more like a real town. Okay. I don't know. I feel like there's potential for, like, platforms and obstacles and stuff, and obviously Tom Nook will rough you up if you don't have his bells. <laughs> He he should he should just run on and shake you down for money. He should. You should just like take damage from like him barreling across the screen with a giant bag of cash. Or or he holds you upside down by your ankles. <laughs> just like dangles you over the side of the platform. <laughs> yeah. Um. I my prediction is also a bit winged. Uh, we. Mm-hmm. I think that we'll have the Pokemon characters with their Pokemon move sets, kind of similar to how Ryu, in. The Wii U version was playable with both Smash controls and, and Street Fighter controls. Oh, yeah. Okay. And they're not that dissimilar, so it would would make sense in a way. Fair, yeah. Uh, and what about yours, Andrew? I predict that Rayman will be playable in some capacity. That would be cool. I think Rayman would fit in quite well with the uh, what we know about Smash mm. Brothers so far. And Ubisoft has a really good relationship with Nintendo on Switch, so it could happen. And and he could wear his snazzy Mario outfit from Rayman Legends. Yeah, true. Which is the costume I chose to play 
legends oh. with you got come on you got to play as Barbara come on why Barbara <laughs> because the barbarian princesses were amazing <laughs> well that was a conversation killer well I don't <laughs> I don't know I like the Gimme Man costumes but I don't know does that mean that we'll see a rabbit's entrance in the Super Smash Bros for Switch that might be amusing, I guess. I think we've already had a prediction of that in a past episode. I think so. Did we? Yeah. I think so. God damn it. It might even be mine. Don't worry, then. <laughs> so you can, already, you can already lock that in. Because <laughs> my uncle works at Nintendo, <laughs> and he said... Yeah, um, uh, um, with that, we should probably wrap the show up. Okay, folks, what are we playing in this coming week? Donkey Kong. Well, me anyway. I assume the rest of you guys as well. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think so. Nice. It wasn't until reading the show notes that I realized that it was actually out next week, so that was a nice surprise. Well, it's out next Friday, so we may not have yeah. a lot of time to put... Too much yeah. time with it, yeah. But I've already played it on Wii U, so I, <laughs> I think I can say some things about it. But uh, I am committing to... One game a week from now on. So next week it's going to be Donkey okay. Kong Country Tropical Freeze, which is an amazing game. Uh, I've, I got a lot of bad press when it came out on the Wii U, and I'm not 100% sure why, but... Mm. It's because it's ridiculously difficult. I guess. I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, but... If you're into the Donkey Kong Country games on Super NES, if you played it on your Super NES Classic, or you just, or you played it on Virtual Console, or you're just old enough that you actually played them on the Super NES, uh, this is absolutely a worthy successor to the series. Uh, it, I played it, and it was like being transported back 20 years to a game that I had forgotten that I loved. So I'm very excited for it to be on Switch and for more people to play it, because it got really overlooked on the Wii U. Mm. Agreed. Thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Why not also check out our YouTube channel, where we regularly upload the first hour of many of the games we play. I'm also streaming most of the games we talk about on the show, and you can watch it at twitch.tv slash playcritically. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. If you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a coffee. Details are on our website. Thanks in advance. If you want to follow us individually, you can follow Andy. He is at Flame Roast Toast. Ginny is at Ginny Woes, and I, Andrew, am at PlayCritically on Twitter.com.
Lily's mistake. You're making the mistake. Flint! Anyone can have an accident, but lying makes it worse. But Mom will be upset. She'll be even more upset if you lie. And how would you feel if Billy got punished? Face up to what you've done. Don't take the easy way out. We'll tell her we did it. Remember, it's better to tell the truth. And that's no lie. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G -I -A.